We're, we're going to continue through 1 Peter, and we'll probably be in 1 Peter for a while. You know, I love the fact that we're just systematically going uh, verse by verse, scripture by scripture in this great book. Here's the, well, it's not really a problem, but here's the challenge with going through a book like 1 Peter, just line by line, is it seems like the, the past couple weeks is just like Peter does not give us a break. He just, he, he just tackles these hard topics over and over and over again. And this morning, it's the same, it's the same thing. And what we're going to talk about is marriage. And um, we're going to talk about how wives are to submit and how leaders are to, or husbands are to lead and serve. And so I don't want to talk about it, so Marianne's going to come up and talk about it, <laughs> about wives submitting to their husbands. Uh, but before we get into that, here's what I, I, I want to implore you. This whole thing about us being exiles, us being sojourners, us being, you know, foreigners. So we've said over and over again, what Peter is telling us is that he's saying this, this earth is not your home. Heaven is your home. But we always come back to the challenge, the fact that this is where we live, and so it's easy to acclimate, right? It's easy to be, um, what's, that, what's that game, amoeba, when you're a kid, where all these kids run around, and then if one kid grabs the other kid, and then they're part of the amoeba, and they become part of this bigger group, and then it just becomes this big blob. And sometimes for us as Christians, we can do that game, so to speak, culturally or emotionally or whatever we do, we invest into this current culture. And so when we're talking about marriages this morning, my challenge to you this morning is to don't allow what this culture tells you what is truth, because some of the things that we're going to say this morning might be unpopular. Um, it, it's, it cut against our current culture. And so what I'm asking you to do this morning is to turn off that inner lawyer that's in your heart, or maybe areas where you have amoebaed the culture uh, if we can use that word as a verb, if you've brought that culture into your life and in your heart and you started to adapt and you started to think the way this culture does. And uh, the challenge is to say, God, will you please speak to me where that has become true and will you reveal your truth and will you set me free from those, those things? Can we do that together? Yep. All right, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read from First Peter, if you have your Bibles, and it's chapter 3. And then uh, Marianne's going to come up and share with us a bit about wives. And then um, she's going to hand over me and I'll share about the husbands. Okay, are we all right with that? Yeah, cool. Okay. <laughs> all right. First Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Peter tells us, the exiles and sojourners, he says, Likewise, wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, the wearing of gold, or the putting on of clothing, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Verse 5. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Verse 7. Likewise, husbands, 
Live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your pattern. We thank you that it's true when it was written and it's true today. And then no matter what culture says, no matter how our emotions uh, are feeling sometimes in, in contrast or contrary to your word, we thank you that your word remains eternal and steadfast. And so this morning as we sit under your word, I pray, Holy Spirit, will you conform us to your son Jesus? Will you change us and make us more like you? Will you take where our hearts are shadowed and will you shine your light on them this morning? We surrender to your will this morning and your ways. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, Mary Annie, why don't you come on up here? And you're going to need a mic. Well, don't clap yet. I might be terrible at this. Good morning. So my resting heart rate is normally 54. I just checked it a few minutes ago. It's like 90-something. So I'm just going to think I'm getting a workout, and I'm getting to talk to you guys. So let me just take a cue from my husband and put my little timer on here. Um, I'm pretty excited, even though I am nervous, to be sharing with you guys this morning because one of the things Kelly and I are very passionate about is healthy marriages. And I remember being early married and looking at couples that we adored, Kirk and Mandy being one of them, and just going like, someday somebody's going to want to hear what we have to say. <laughs> and then you get closer to that and you go, you just start to realize like you really don't know anything. And um, all you could just do is point people to Jesus and be like, I don't know, just look at the Bible and I'll pray for you. And you become much more humble than you were in the beginning of marriage where you thought you knew everything. So, but all that to say, we are passionate about healthy marriages, and it's unpopular sometimes to say this is the model we believe in as Christians, um, but we know that God is a good God, and he sets things in order, and so we surrender our hearts, we, we position ourselves to say, God, we trust you, you're good, and so we trust your ways. So, as we read through that text, we all know, like, what is the elephant in the text? Like, what is the blaring, like, ooh, I don't want to hear that. Um, it's that four-letter, ten-letter word, submission. Um, so submission is actually not a four-letter word. Um, I was thinking about it, though. It does have three syllables, which reminds me of another three-syllable thing, you know, in, like, horror movies when, like, something bad is about to happen. You hear that, dun-dun-dun, submission. It's kind of like that, um, except it's not. So we don't have to come this morning with fear in our hearts of what submission is. We don't have to see that as a negative um, four-letter word. So before I get into the text and before I get into um, what Peter lays out for us as submission and godliness as wives in our marriage, I wanted to touch on quickly, I don't have a lot of time, but just six things that submission is not, just to sort of diffuse any bombs, any, so as I go into the text, you can in your mind refer back to these and go, okay, she's, she's not saying this. So just um, the first one of submission is not, it's Submission is not agreeing on everything or having no opinion. And we can see even in this text, um, Peter is not just only addressing um, Christian wives with unbelieving husbands, but that's part of it. And being a Christian wife with an unbelieving husband, that is a fundamental difference of opinion and difference of a belief. So he's not saying, hey, just 
do what your husband said. Just just yield to him, which actually culturally would have been more appropriate back then for, for the wife to just adopt what the husband believed. He's not saying yield to that. He's saying, actually, what you believe is good and true, um, but here's how you walk that out when you believe something other than that. Um, I also want to touch on that is... Um, not agreeing, I mean, it's not agreeing with everything or having no opinion. Um, when we go back to Genesis, when God created Eve for Adam, um, it was to be a helpmate. And I think sometimes our strengths are found in our differences, because I can see the world in a way that Kelly can't, and vice versa. Um, number two, submission does not mean uh, we don't try and influence our husbands, which this one's a little like risque, right? Because you hear that, like, I'm not here to change my man, which is a great um, oversimplification of a well-meaning idea. And of course, we cannot change our husbands. That's God's job. But hopefully, our heart is to see our men become more Christ-like. And so, again, going back to we're, we're there to be helpmates. Hopefully, we want to sharpen and encourage and bring kindness and just all of these things so that we are encouraging them to become more Christ-like. Um, the third one is submission does not mean we put the will of our husbands above the will of Christ. Um, this is an obvious one, but I think it needs to be stated. And I wanted to read this because I just felt like I couldn't memorize it. Christ is our Lord. And for Christ's sake, I will submit to my husband. Whenever I must choose between husband and Christ, I must always choose Christ. However, my demeanor should say, I want to follow your leadership. But I cannot in this moment, in this area. All right, the next one is, submission does not mean all my spiritual strength comes from my husband. So if I were to only rely on Kelly to show me who God is, I'm either going to, I don't know, he just made some smart little remark and I missed it, but um, if I were to rely on him for, for that, then I'm either going to run him dry, I'm going to suck the life out of him, or I'm going to be, sorry babe, severely underwhelmed about who God is. As, as great as this man is, if I only look to him for my spiritual strength and my spiritual guidance and to, to represent who God is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do one of those things or both. So we have to go to God. We, we actually, we have regenerated hearts. We've been adopted into the kingdom. And so we'd really be missing out to not go to God. The next one is um, submission does not mean living in or acting in fear. Um, I don't want to spend too much time on this. It's, it's a couple of things I think of is if you're in an abusive relationship, I'm not saying as I move forward, please don't go. She's saying I just have to stay here and be abused. Please get help. It's serious. Don't stay in that. But it also means that our identity is in Christ. So I don't have to be afraid to have an opinion with my husband. I don't have to be afraid to walk this journey with him. I often will abdicate um, input under the guise of, like, I'm just submitting. And that's actually not real submission. That's just fear. I don't want to disappoint him. I don't want him to think... I don't, like, I don't like confrontation, and so that's not submission, that's fear, and that's what we're not talking about here. And then the last one is, submission is not to all men. The, the word says it's unto your own husband, and so if you're a girl boss, go on with your bad self. You can be a boss, we can look to Proverbs 31 woman who is actually like quite an industrious woman, um, so it's not saying that. And as a matter of fact, if any of you in this room try to submit to my husband in this biblical way we're about to talk about, you might lose an eyeball. Just kidding. Not really. Okay. So, 
as we dive into this, my hope is that all of us ladies leave here super encouraged and empowered and just excited about this model that, that God laid out for us and just excited to like, oh, how do I get to in- implement this into my marriage? So I hope there's an uplifting of our hearts and our heads. Here's a definition of submission. Submission is the defined calling of a wife to honor and affirm her husband's leadership and so help to carry it through according to her gifts. Yeah, it's awesome. So we have been uniquely made for our man. And if you're saying, I'm not sure if I married the right person, when you said yes, you work that out. And you have been given unique gifts in order to encourage and sharpen and love on and all of these amazing things to the man that you're married to. And it's amazing. The um, the word says we were created as helpmates. And so we have to ask ourselves, does our interaction or lack of interaction represent us being a helpmate to our man well? So I think in this text, Peter gives us four key points on how to walk out submission and godliness in our marriages. And the first one is the command of submission. The, uh, the verse says, likewise. Likewise, wives be, wives be subject to your own husbands. And I was trying to think of a clever, like Kelly did, like, therefore, what is the therefore, therefore? And I couldn't really come up with anything other than it's likewise to do what we've already been taught in these previous weeks. So we've, we've all heard about, yeah, he thinks I'm a dork. Um, we've all been taught in the previous weeks how we are to be subject to rulers and authorities. Um, In chapter 2, Peter lays out how Christ was subject to the will of the Father, how he laid down his life for us. And so that's what we're saying here. It's it's saying these things that I taught you in chapters 1 and 2, I want you to apply that subjugation to your marriages, to you as wives. And that's the likewise. And if you think that's a hard pill to swallow because it can feel jagged, I want you to remember that Jesus submitted himself not only to his father in heaven but to his earthly parents and it wasn't comfortable and it probably wasn't like super fun all the time but he can see the bigger picture and he yielded his own will for our sake and so when you when you think man it's hard I don't want to do this I'm in good company Jesus did it and you know what him alive in me empowers me to do that to with my husband um, and I just wanted to point out in the in the command of submission, um, this isn't super nice, but I just want to point out it's it's not a choice, it's a command. And for you rule followers, you're going, yes, this is awesome. And for you more free-spirited people, you're going, well, I mean, you don't really know my marriage. No, it's a command. So, and it also means it's not a contract. Um, so, the number one thing that Kelly and I have encountered in marriage counseling with couples is this is, happens every single time. Well, if he would do blah, 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 then I would do blah, 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 blah. Well, if she would, blah, if she would just submit, then I would probably be able to lead better. And it's this contractual, like, if only the other person would do what they're supposed to do. It's unfair. And you know what? It is unfair. That's the, that's the gospel. Is Jesus, what Jesus did for us was unjust and it was unfair. But 
we've been empowered to do it. And so don't look at it as a contract. Look at it as what is my role? What is God required of me? And how do I walk that out? Um, the next one is the opportunity in submission. And I'm probably most excited about this one. So let me just read the verse again. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectable and pure conduct. So our opportunity is twofold. It's unto our husbands. We have this opportunity to love and to serve and to represent who God is to them. But we also have this opportunity to love and to serve and be kind to our husbands for the sake of the unbeliever. Isn't that amazing? So respect equals honor, value, and, and admire. And as I sat to think about this, I just thought, what are ways that we can honor our men? Um, remembering that he's God's first. Remembering. So I, I know this is totally cheesy, but I just started to think about, like, as you're talking to your husband, if you, were, if you were to speak to your husband in the way that you speak to your husband sometimes, if Jesus was standing right next to him, I know it's totally corny, would you speak the way that you speak to him? And we have to remember that. That's a, that's a reality. Jesus is in him. And so I should have that. I should be cognizant of that every time I speak to my husband. Do I always do that well? No, I don't, unfortunately. But if we can remember that. Um, so ways we can honor is in our language, the way that we speak to our men. And not just our language, but to know the language that speaks t- to our men specifically. So I know for Kelly, physical touch is a huge thing. Having a clean house is that me taking care of myself is kind of a big thing for him. Um, so those are ways, that's his language, and I want to be able to speak to his language so that I can respect and honor him. Um, obviously, the next one is we all know, like, we can't go have a marriage talk without saying sex. I'm sorry my kids are in the room, but but that's part of it. Uh, for men, a physical a physical um, part of your marriage is a huge asset of your marriage. It's a huge um, focal point for them, and so we have to yield in that area whether we want to or not, which I won't get into it, but yeah, it's good. Sex is good. And then another way is service, which I already touched on. So what, is, what does it look like to not respect and honor? It means we're not gossiping about them. We're not rolling our eyes as we talk to them, to, to other people about them. We're not publicly shaming them. We're not acting out in fits of rage and anger. We're not manipulating them. We're listening to them. All of those things. And then the, the word pure, it says respectful and pure. And I just started to think about, God, what does it look like to be pure? And it's really just this heart to honor God. It's this heart of saying, it's not my own way. I don't have to have my own way. I'm not manipulating you. I just am looking out for pleasing God and loving this man that you've given me. So what if we're afraid that our husband won't lead or won't lead well? How do we, how do we walk that out? Because I think some of you are going, actually, I want to I wanna have this opportunity. I want him to lead. I want to I wanna submit, but he's, he's not going to do that. How do we do that? And I know this is really simple, but we, we, we can start with praying for them. And we can start to just say, I think oftentimes us ladies, we're like get-or-done people, right? So we see something that needs to get done, and we're like, well, if nobody else is going to do it, 
I'm going to do it. And so we step into this role in our marriages that we were actually never meant to. And what happens is it just creates this, it perpetuates a cycle because now the husband is like, well, I'm not stepping on her toes because she's got things going on. I'm too afraid. And so it just perpetuates this thing. And so how do we, we, we have to step back and we have to go, okay, God, I trust you. I trust that you've given this man to me. And if it means he's going to lead me not ungodly things. Remember, we said that in the beginning. It's not un- not leading you into ungodly things. But if he's going to lead me in a direction of things that I wouldn't naturally do, I have to allow him, and I have to follow him with a happy heart. Not to say we can't speak up. Remember, we want to remember all the things that submission is not. But it means we yield, and we trust God to lead our man, and for us to follow as we're leading, as he's leading. Um, oh man, time flies so fast. Okay, and then the other part of that is we, we witness to outsiders. So this is why not being a doormat is kind of a huge thing. So being submissive, a lot of you ladies think like, well, I'm not about to be a doormat. Guess what? Good news. That would be a horrible representation to the culture around us if we are a little shriveled up, um, having no voice, no opinion, just sort of being walked on, that would be, uh, the world would want to run from that. They already want to like run from this word submission because they don't fully understand what it is. So we can't be doormats. We don't want to be shriveled up and live in fear. That doesn't represent who God is in our marriage as well. But we also don't want to Again, all the things I already mentioned, being harsh and, and bouts of anger and gossiping and dishonoring our husbands, that doesn't speak well to the world either. But when we're kind, when we speak well of, when we, when we talk about this, this interaction that we have in our marriages, this health that we have in our marriages, the world wants to know, how do you do that? What, what drives you? How, how, what, what, is your, what is your trick? And so we have this opportunity in our marriages to really win people over to the Lord just in the way that we interact with each other. So 1 Peter 2.12 says this, Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. And we have to apply that verse in our marriages as well. Um, man, I am, I've got two more points, but okay. So uh, I'll try to blaze through these. The next one is the beauty of submission. And um, this was really, I just tried to keep in line with like having a succinct notes. Um, this is submission unto God. Of, of course, when we submit to our men, it's, on, it's unto the Lord because that's what the Lord requires of us. But I'm talking about a direct line to God. It says this, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is God's sight is very precious. So I was going to be super rebellious and braid my hair today. I did wear gold earrings, and obviously I'm wearing clothing. So it's important. So we know that Peter's not talking about you don't, don't, he's not saying don't braid your hair or don't wear gold jewelry because obviously he's not saying don't wear clothes. He's saying the focus is not on all of this stuff that's going to fade away. It's going to go. The purpose and the true beauty that you have to exude is internal. It's this time with Jesus. It's yielding to God. It's allowing him to be everything to us. It's allowing him to transform and mold us into his likeness. It says this, of gentle and quiet spirit, it means I give up the right to have my own way. 
I'm not demanding my own way. And imperishable, I love this. Imperishable, which I know this is like not genius, but imperishable we know like means it doesn't ever rot, doesn't ever like go away. And we all know all of this, like time, things sag, things wrinkle, things gray. All of that is going to fade over time. But imperishable means it cannot perish. It's untouched. And I was reading that that doesn't just mean for this life. The word imperishable used in other parts of the Bible is actually referring to things in the heavenly realm. So this kind of beauty comes with us into heaven. And I don't know about you, but I'd like to be beautiful in heaven. And that doesn't mean all of this. It's transforming my mind. But that is untouchable. That's the thing we want to cultivate and take with us. And for those of you that are, that are sitting there kind of saying, Yes, I don't focus on my outer beauty because I'm such a pious woman and I'm yielded to God and it's all about the inside. I'm going to probably offend you too. So, men are visual and I think it's important as we honor and respect our men to take care of ourselves. It's just that that doesn't become the focus. That doesn't become the source of our beauty. But if you are pious and prideful and you're saying, yes, I don't do those things, I don't focus on that, you are just as guilty because what you're actually doing is focusing on an external action, which is just the same as when women, you know, gain their beauty from the outside. Your focus is on how great you are by the actions that you've taken, and you're missing the point of cultivating inner beauty. So um, I just had a quick little analogy about this. So my husband, I love him dearly. He nearly every night has an issue with the pajamas I wear to bed. I, I, I honestly, it's not like things aren't happening. Like it's not like that's hindering things from happening. I'm just talking about like when we go to sleep. He he has a, a, a very like critical opinion of what I'm wearing. I won't get into the adjectives, but there are a few very unflattering ones. He doesn't like my ratty old bajillion year old pajamas. He just I'm like, dude, you're sleeping. Just use your imagination. <laughs> but that's not enough for him. So. Do I care about, no, I'm cheap, so I'm like, why would I spend money on pajamas that nobody sees but you? And I get cold, and I like to be comfortable, as everyone does when they're sleeping. Nobody wants to wear, like, I'm wearing my prom dress to bed. So, but for him, for some reason, it's a big deal. And so every night I go to bed wearing my flipping holy pajamas that look like they've been, like, drudged behind our car, but they're so comfortable. I'm really dishonoring him because it's a big deal for him. And so that's the same way, ladies. If you're not taking care of yourself, there's a dishonoring in that. Find out what that is for your husband. And guess what I'm going to spend my birthday money on? All right, and the last one is, oh, man, I'm way over time. I'm eating up all of Kaylee's time. Sorry. Um, is the freedom and submission. So this is awesome news. One... We're not earning righteousness before God. Jesus did that. He finished that at the cross, right? But we are saying, just kind of taking a pulse, is what I'm doing a fruit of my relationship with you, God? Is my interaction with my husband, does it reflect the freedom that I've found in you? Does it reflect the grace and kindness that you've bestowed on me, that you've extended to me, am I extending that to my husband? 
And I think a lot of times Kelly uses this phrase, he'll say, often we fear the consequence of obedience. And we don't have to fear the consequence of obedience in this, ladies, because we go back to going, God, you're good. Your ways are good. You were kind to me. You, you, you were gracious to me. You gave me freedom. And so I don't have to fear doing what you asked me to do. When we are submitting, we are operating in the role God has given us, and there's freedom in that. Even if our men abdicate their role, it doesn't mean we have to take on their role. And Peter also, just quickly, lastly, he reminds us that this isn't impossible. He actually points to biblical women that have gone before us. He, he uses Sarah as an example. And he says, look to them. They adorn themselves, which means they put on these things, which I'm asking you to do daily, moment to moment, a yielding. And they've gone before you, and they've been an example, so it's not impossible. Babe, do you want me to pray, or do you want me to just hand over? So, ladies, I just I want to challenge you. If, if God convicted you of something, I would just repent of it in that moment. Let God highlight and reveal to you areas where you haven't surrendered. And I want to encourage you to view this as a calling and as a privilege to serve our men. God, we thank you that you're good. We thank you that there's truth in your word that we can live by. We thank you that you haven't just left us out to hang dry and muscle our way through this, that Jesus went before us as an example, and you've given us the Holy Spirit to walk this out with grace and joy and mercy. Well done, baby. Will, all right, I got five minutes left here. <laughs> all right, guys, um, we're not off the hook. Verse 7, Peter says, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. So here's what we're going to do. We're just going to go line by line through this, and Peter gives us I think four things to help us uh, understand what it means to be husbands who are not giving into the way of the world. Uh, so number one, and this might sound too simplistic, but he says, live with your wife. Now, obviously, huh, well, Kelly, why are you saying live with my wife? We live in the same house. Now, I don't know if you are like me, but um, often when I'm tired, I'll just kind of Netflix binge and just, you know, and so everyone's been talking about this show called The Crown. And I don't know if you've been watching that. Um, but there, I, I haven't known a lot of history of, of the, the English, you know, monarchy. And it's been very interesting watching this. And you'll see this, this dynamic between the queen and her husband. He's not the king because he's not from the bloodline. He's, he's the Duke of Edinburgh. That's how you say it, apparently. <laughs> Prince Philip. And they're having some marital problems, and um, the, the queen mother thinks it would be a good idea to send him on this five-month uh, trip. And this actually becomes a disastrous thing because they were not in a good place when she sent him away. And be, because what, what the, the prince had been doing, he's just kind of like, well, my wife's the queen, she has all these responsibilities. I'm not even like really royal bloodline from this family. I have no power. I have no authority. So I'm just going to kind of play the playboy and do my own thing. And yes, I live in 
Buckingham Palace with my wife, but really I'm not present with her. And so what you see in the story is he's often he's running off with his friend. They're going to, you know, hanging out gentlemen's clubs, and they're, they're doing all these kind of things. And even though he physically lives with his wife, he's not living with his wife. And husbands, we could be guilty of doing that sometimes. We're physically in the same house, but we're emotionally, we're spiritually totally void of our leadership with our wives. And like Marianne said, often she said over and over, even if your husband is abdicating his responsibility, that word abdicate is to let go of and to give it to somebody else. And husbands, we do not have the freedom to abdicate our leadership in the home. When Peter calls us to live with our wives, he's saying, do what God has called you to do. Don't let your wife carry the spiritual tone in the home. Don't make your wife nag you to pray. Often we, we revert to the John Wayne kind of uh, leadership style where it's like, well, I bring home the bacon. And all you got to do is say, well, I did it. And so I'm just going to sit down on the couch, open up a Bud Light and watch sports all day. That is not leadership. That's being a man boy. And God has not called us to be man boys. He's called us to lead. So, live with your wife. But how do we do that? Peter says, in an understanding way, number two. Live with your wife in an understanding way. So what does that mean in an understanding way? Now this, I'm preaching to myself. You know, here's the temptation for us this morning as husband and wives. Is to rib each other, right? I hope that my wife is listening to this. Or wives, I, I'm writing my, my notes just for you later on this evening, honey, dearest. Like Bill Bilicek, whether you hate him or not, do your job, okay, this morning. And so husbands or potential husbands, don't hope that your wife or your potential wife is taking notes this morning. And same thing for you wives. So when, when Peter says, in an understanding way, this means based on the knowledge of her needs, her desires, her gifts, and her abilities. So what does that mean? It means we have to know our wife. You know, it's, it's like if Christmas time, I go out and get Marianne a vacuum cleaner for Christmas. Right? Or I get her some power tool that is like, like fun for me or some, elect, some guitar you know, thing and I go, wow, babe, isn't that amazing? And then I end up using it, right? Husbands, we do this often with our wives and we, we, we lead in a way that we, that we enjoy. But when Peter tells us to love our wives, to live with our wives in an understanding way, that means to serve our wives. Now, the fear with that is, well, what if I don't get anything in return? What if, what if like, I give her all this, all this love, and I give her all this attention, and I, you know, I, I do the dishes when I feel like, well, that's her job to do the dishes, or I, I do all these things, and I feel like, man, that should be her job, but I end up serving her, and I just always feel like I'm only ever only serving her. What if she never reciprocates? Husbands? I want to tell you, so what? Hey, 
that's not your job. Why? Why? How can we have, be free from that? Who did that for us? Likewise, wives, Peter says here in verse 7, likewise, husbands. That likewise, what Marianne's saying, is tying us back to what Christ did for us. See, Christ didn't go, well, I'll die on the cross for you if you reciprocate. If you go to church four times a week, if you give, if you join a life group, if you do all the things that the members agreed to today, then it'll be worth my while for me dying on the cross for you. That's not what Christ did. And when Paul says in Ephesians, husbands, love your wife just like Christ loved the church, that means even if she never reciprocates, you do all these things for her, you love her, you serve her, even if she never reciprocates. You live with her in an understanding way. It's, this is kind of the proverbial cheesy little illustration, but your wife really is like a flower, a plant. And the more attention you give to it, the more you water it, fertilize it, put it in the sun when it needs sun, take it out of the sun and put it in shade when it needs shade, the more it grows, the healthier it becomes. The roots go down deep. But what we do sometimes as husbands, we get frustrated because the plant's not growing. This stupid plant, I bought it from Home Depot, I had a year guarantee, it's dead. <laughs> it's because you're a, a terrible gardener, a.k.a. husband. <laughs> and so what we do is we yell at the plant, you stupid plant. If you would, just, if you would grow right, then I would, I would look at you more. I would adorn you more. I'd water you more if you did what you were supposed to do. That's not what Peter is telling us as husbands. Oh boy. We also honor our wives by valuing their opinions, their insight. You know, Marianne is way, I mean, and I'm not exaggerating, way smarter than me. She's way wiser than me. And she's way better looking than me. <laughs> By all, if, if, if I was living in a culture, if I agreed with everything this culture says, Mary Ann should probably be leading our family. But that's not what God has said. But I should honor her. That's, guys, speaking in public about your wife, how great she is. Praising her in public. But not just in public, praising her to her face. In private. Baby, I love you. When you wear those holy pajamas <laughs> that look like, I'm not going to say what they look like, you're still sexy. You know, honestly, guys, if, if you throw a temper tantrum with your wife, if you speak down to her, if, you know, it, it talks about the wife being the weaker vessel. Now, that's not talking about she's emotionally weak or spiritually weak or intellectually or competently weak. 
It's speaking about her physical nature. Now, some of us might have wives who could beat us up. I don't know. That's pretty, pretty rare. Like, like Mar- Marianne thinks she could, we play, this, we play this game. Sometimes we're sitting on the couch and we're about to go to bed and I go, okay, babe, there's a fire and I'm unconscious. <laughs> Try to rescue me. And I am dead every single time. I say, carry me. And I mean, I'm, she may get me out the door, but I'm going to be, have like five concussions, probably missing some limbs, but I wouldn't have burned to death. So when Peter's talking about the weak, he's talking about her physicalness. Now here's, here's the thing. That should cause us to want to protect and want to honor our wives. Not the other way around. See, when Marianne says, would you talk to your husband if Jesus was standing right next to him the same way that you do? Would we husbands treat our wives the same way we do if we knew they could beat us up? You know, like that guy I almost got in a fight with last week I was telling you about, I honked the horn and then he got out of the car. Everything within me wanted to get out of the car too, except I was afraid. Because that dude was big. And sometimes, husbands, we do this to our wives because we think, who are you? I'm way stronger than you. And so we raise our voice, we try to intimidate, because things aren't going our way. Because we're not serving our wives, we're not leading them, we're not loving them like Christ loved the church. That's our call. No matter, even if our wives never reciprocate. See, the problem with that is that we try to find meaning in our wives. And wives, we try to find meaning in our husbands. And we try to get our source of love or value or vindication from our spouse. That is not the pattern of marriage. The pattern of marriage is we find our meaning, we find our value, we find our vindication in Christ. And as we do that, we receive it and we give it to our spouse. And when both of us are doing that well, then marriage is rocking. But when we first try to go to the spouse and cut off the line from Christ and go to them first, we're always going to be let down every single time. It might go well for a day a month, however long, but ultimately Marianne's going to let me down. Ultimately your spouse is going to let you down. But Christ will never let you down. And so if you're struggling and saying, but my wife never, or my husband always, whatever the negative thing you want to fill in the blank, I say get your eyes off of your spouse and put your eyes on Jesus. Because Jesus always And Jesus never. Why should we do this? Peter says, she's an heir. You are joint heirs. And the reality is, if we take that analogy of the pot, the flower in the pot, you're in the pot with her. And to curse the pot, to curse the flower is to curse yourself. You stupid flower, look at this dumb soil you're in. And you look around and go, wait a minute, I'm in the same pot. (laughs) When you stub your toe, you don't go, you dumb toe. 
and then want to cut your foot off? I don't need you toe anymore. No, it's part of you. And so husbands, your wife and you are joint heirs in Christ. You're joined together. Inseparable. Why else? Now some some of us, this may not even matter. Number five, but so that your prayers may not be hindered. Some of you might not even notice the difference. Because maybe you're not praying. But this is a scary notion to me. To think that God directly opposes me when I'm harsh with my wife. That should put fear in some of us as husbands. God, how come, how come when I'm praying I feel like you're distant from me? Now, I'm not saying this is the reason, but this, if you're harsh to your wife, ask this question. How come it seems like God is opposing me? Why does God not listen to my prayer? Why is my, my prayer life suffering? Why my ministry, why, my effectiveness in who I am as a man, why is it suffering? And if you're harsh to your wife, I'm going to say Peter gives us an answer right here. And so for the role for us as men and women, maybe you're, you're on your way towards marriage, is to do God's pattern. Is to say, I'm rejecting the way of the world, and I'm going to adopt, and I'm going to say, Jesus, I want to do it your way. I want health. I want life. Marianne said, we're pat. Here, here's my... My call to you this morning. I, I know that in this room there's marriages that are rocking and there's marriages that are suffering. We're somewhere in between. And we want to be a church of healthy, strong marriages. Don't suffer alone. We're a community. If you need help in your marriage, please be humble enough to say, hey, we need some help. It doesn't have to be Marianne and I who sit with you. One of, the, one of the elders in the church, anyone, any leader in your church, but please don't suffer silently. If there's abuse going on in your marriage, don't hide that. Don't protect someone who, you, that's not what God's called you to. He's called you to health, and this is a safe place. If you need to share that, that will not be shared with anyone else. I promise you, this is a safe place. We want to see healthy marriages. So wives, this morning, God's called you to do your work. Husband, God's called you to do your work. And to look to Jesus first and foremost. Not to your spouse. And to remember that we are different than the world. We're set apart. Will you stand with me this morning?